in Europe podcast. I am Mark Oshman and today uh, we have on the podcast Craig from Poland. Obviously, welcome to the show, Craig. Uh, it's late at night for you, but um, thanks for joining us. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Well, the whole world is turned their attention to your region and your borders, and you're about an hour away from Ukraine right now. And um, a lot is going on in your life and ministry and on your borders. So why don't you begin to just introduce uh, what, what's what been going on in your life and ministry over the last few days and, and what would you want us to know? Yeah, I could tell you it's things have happened in the last few days that have been quite different from everything else we've ever done. Um, it all started the day that the uh, incursion occurred. We received a phone call from a colleague who said he had somebody who needed to talk to us and wanted to know if we can give him our phone number. He said, go for it. The person then called us and told us that he had a family of four women and four children who were standing at the border who needed to get out. And it was at that moment we had to decide, okay, what are we going to do? We were planning on getting involved some way, but we had not had the opportunity to really plan things out and say, this is what we're going to do. So we said, okay, God, you brought this opportunity. We're going to do it. And uh, we went to the border. And it ended up that we didn't have four women and four children. We had like six women and 11 children that we had to pick up. And uh, we only had two vehicles, which means that they weren't going to fit. But God provided another man who was standing at the border waiting for something, maybe waiting to help somewhere. And in our minds, this man was an angel because he was able to help us get these people back to our house. And uh, so we kept them in our house overnight. The next morning, part of their group joined them, and I can tell you more about that in a little bit. And then later that afternoon, we got some more people who came by. And so uh, for the last several days, we've been housing some of these refugees who have come across the border. They all have a further place to go, but uh, they needed a place for the night to stop. And so that's what we've wow. been doing. Um, beyond that, all of a sudden, this has opened up a lot of other opportunities relating to this, and also, our local church, which is very small, has decided to help out the best they can. And uh, they're starting to collect things for people at the border. And it's just been really wonderful to watch all this happen. But it's one of these situations where things are moving forward so fast and in so many directions, it's hard to say exactly where it's going to lead to and what's going to happen next. So. Yeah. I saw in the news, I mean, as of this recording, Something like almost 600,000 uh, refugees wow. have crossed borders, mostly into Poland and, yeah. and surrounding. But uh, so this is just puts a face to it. So t tell us a little bit about, uh, obviously, you, you mentioned it was women and children. So the men mm -hmm. stayed behind. Uh, yeah. Let me tell you about this. Yeah. Go ahead. Because uh, their story, it, it basically gives you the idea of what happened. Um, the first group, they decided to go to the border. At the border, just before they went to, before they went into line, they gathered as families. There's two or three families together, and prayed together. And then they said, "Okay, it's time to separate." And the husbands and the sons went back, and the mothers and the children stayed in line. And then for the next day, while they were waiting in line, without them, they they 
get through the customs, get through the registration, and finally are allowed to cross over into Poland. And um, they're shell-shocked. I mean, you're talking about children who are you know, less than a year old up to the age of 13 that we had with us. And, you know, um, and the young mothers who really can't express their emotion at this moment because if they do, it would bear weight on their children. And so they're trying very desperately not to emote, at least mm -hmm. not in front of the kids. Um, and as I said, the very next day, part of their group arrived by car. And what was the surprise of that was that uh, one of the fathers, who was a pastor, was able to go through the border. Now, that in and of itself is a miracle, because if you don't know this, in, uh, Ukraine has created a law which said that any men between the ages of 16 and 60 who are able-bodied need to stay in the country to fight. So right. when you get to the border, if you're a man, you're most likely going to be turned away. And so when the father walked in, his 13-year-old girl looked up and saw him and realized that she was going to see her dad again. And she ran to him and hugged him. And my eyes, <laughs> I, I just, I even weep about it even now thinking about this. Because how would that feel, you know, to know that my daughter thought she would never see me again? So these are the kind of stories that we're hearing from people. This is the, the depth of the emotion, the, the, the depth of the tragedy. They are leaving pretty much everything they own behind, and including people they love, and being sent over. And some of the times they don't even know why or to where. They just need mm. to get out. And so then what happens next? They don't know. So... This is one of the hardest things I think for the last few weeks is dealing with the emotions of that. Yeah. Do they, do they have contact with those that stay behind or how, how does that work? Yes. Yes, they do. And, uh, but that's not necessarily always an easy thing. Uh, like I said, the right. second group of people we had come through, they were all, uh, they were a family of young girls and the mother. And, uh, at one point while they were at our house, dad called probably Zoom or something like that. And the one girl goes, look, it's dad. And she showed the phone to everyone else. And as soon as she saw it, her sister just broke down. She couldn't handle it. Because, yeah. you know, how do you handle that emotion, knowing that he's not safe? They are from right. a town that was being bombed. It, they were from a town that was under siege. They had no idea how long dad would be there, or what would happen to him. Yeah. Wow. Well, as you mentioned in the beginning, uh, this is unlike anything you've ever seen in ministry before. Mm -hmm. Tell us, we've talked to you before, but just remind us uh, some of your ministry background and, and how does that sure. um, how, do, how does that bring you to this moment? And how do, how do you prepare? How do you follow the Spirit in a moment like this? Oh, well, the good questions. Uh, we, well, as far as our mission missions, uh, Background, we began about 25 years ago. We went to Russia for five years. Uh, then we felt uh, I was asked to leave Russia. Uh, they did not want missionaries at the time, and I was, I was removed. Uh, and we were looking to say, well, God, where do you want us to go next? And we felt he called us to Poland. And so we've been here now for 20 years. Um, that's an important point to note because as these people come across the border, they're Russian speakers, they are Ukrainian speakers, 
they might know a little bit of English, but not very much. And so the five years that we spent in Russian, learning the Russian language has actually been helpful to us because we at least can understand them. And then with some help, we can communicate with them. Uh, so that's one of the ways that God prepared us for this. And it wasn't something we thought about. It was something one of the people who we had come with us, uh, come stay at our house and said, you know, I'm really glad that God sent you to Russia before because you can communicate with me right now. Wow, God. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. Our ministry here in Poland is to help plant churches in Poland. Uh, Poland itself is a country where there are a lot of people who know who God is but have no relationship with him. There's no repentance, no following Christ like, like the Bible talks about. Uh, there is only following religious rules and um, basically doing that which you think is enough for you to get by. Um, and that's, that kind of work-based salvation is not what the Bible talks about. That's not the gospel. So we deal with a lot of people who see themselves as believers when they really are not. And uh, the church, church planting among those kinds of people. Um, and so uh, this is definitely a different step in switching immediately to humanitarian aid at the moment and trying to help out people who are coming across because of the war. Um, and that, that's a big difference from what we were doing before. Right. Yeah. You, um, you're just doing your normal work that you've been doing for decades and you get a phone call and everything changes. Um, and yet yep. this is how God has led you. It sounds like it's led your little church. Um, and so obviously the situation changes minute by minute, but yes. where, where do you see yourself in this, in this present moment in terms of continuing to meet that need among those people? Um, well, we're, working to network with different denominations, with different people here, with different missions agencies, so that we can make sure that uh, people who have need can be, can be helped. Um, if you were to look at the map of Poland and you could see that where the Ukrainian border meets it, there are two large states that are along that border. In one state, there are a few missionaries from one organization. In our state, we have the missionaries from our organization, and that's it. There are no other missionaries within that distance of that, of that first state where they can come and help people in need like this. So, you know, many other agencies are collecting money or wishing to do things, and that's all great, but where they are is nowhere near, near where it's necessary. And... Um, so we, we have that upfront, that on the ground, uh, firsthand look, and that I think changes things so much. Um, as far as where we're going to go, we're working with uh, others in our organization and other organizations to try and make this all work out. Um, one of the things we found out is how many Ukrainians there already are in Poland, how many Ukrainians there are throughout Europe. And so a lot of these people who are coming out have a contact that they can get to, but they don't know how to get to them right away. And the Ukrainian uh, believers don't necessarily make contact with Polish believers. You know, they're two completely different languages, so they worship sure. on their own together and rather than together. And so one of the things we really want to do is try to help them to work together. 
So when this Ukrainian church knows that there are 10 people from their church in the Ukraine who are coming out and they need someone to meet them, they can talk to those of us who work with the Baptist church or work with other denominations here in Poland to say, okay, who, who of your people can help come help them because we have nobody over there. And so that's one of the main things we would like to see is that kind of networking workout where people will actually work together rather than doing what they're doing individually. Um, so we will continue to house guests. We will continue to people, pick people up from the border. Uh, we will continue to provide needs for people who come across the border. Uh, some of the groups that are local here uh, that are uh, not uh, church-based but are part of like local government and things are actually also collecting things to to bring to people on the other side of the border and so we're going to look into seeing if that could be something we could do as well because just getting to the border doesn't really help you uh, the one group waited 10 hours the other group they waited in line for almost two days okay wow. and that's the average right now is somewhere between 20 25 to 30 hours wait that once you make it to the border, that's how long it takes you to get across. So you know, there is a lot uh, of need over there. Yeah. That, is that that's just because the, because the number of people, yeah, the logistics <laughs> of the people and the need to be able to work through and register them and, and uh, help get, figure out who they are and where they're from. You know, they're letting a, a lot of people in without documentation or things like that, but they still need to register who they are and where they're thinking they're going. So wow. it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And uh, so there is a lot of need to provide for things on the other side as well. Yeah. So I can imagine uh, if you leave everything and you're just mm -hmm. in line for days, uh, what, what, are the, what are the greatest needs? Um, obviously, food clothing, shelter, and right. how, how do you and the, the organizations you're partnering with, and we're going to share in a minute how mm -hmm. uh, even our listeners can help partner with you, but uh, right. what, what does that look like? I mean, obviously it's brand new, so you're, it's probably all coming yeah. together, but what's, we're, the, what's the goal? We're making it up as we go along in a sense, and we're just saying, God, okay, you, you gave this to us, so you have to lead us, and that's how we're going to make it happen. Uh, Anything that comes financially to us will go directly towards providing overnight uh, stays, transportation, food, and other needs that the uh, refugees have. Uh, one thing that I can say about our organization is that if you choose to give through Pioneers, there will be no overhead costs taken out. Uh, we have a lot of people who are contacting us directly and saying, I want to give money. We said, okay, well, you can give it through Pioneers. Well, no, I don't want to do that because then they'll take some money out like all organizations do. Pioneers won't be doing that. So every cent you give will go directly to meeting the needs of the people that are there. And um, we prefer that they put it through the account because that helps give us more accountability as far as how the money is dispersed and where it goes. Um, but like I said, our primary thing is we're, we're going to be taking care of families who come across, who need a place to stay, uh, and then providing any kind of needs that they have along the way. Uh, for example, um, we, well, right now we're in conversation with somebody. When we lived and worked in Russia, there was a uh, Ukrainian woman who was part of our staff there. And uh, she since had moved away after we left Russia and she's in the Ukraine. She had moved her family 
away from the fighting, but is now still in danger. And she just talked to us just a few minutes ago and is, and we're trying to tell her, come on, get across the border and we can help you, but you've got to mm-hmm. come here. And so she's the kind of person that we want to help out. It's the, the people who have an absolute need. They don't, they, they need to get out of danger, away from harm. And what happens next is something that God will help direct. Some people know where they're going. Some people hope to be able to go where they want to go. And some people have no idea. They just want to get out of the way. Yeah. So it sounds like you and, and the organizations you partner with are that crucial bridge into mm-hmm. safety. Yeah. And that, that includes food, uh, clothing, uh, yes. place to live even temporarily. Um, yeah. And I can imagine just knowing uh, where you're at, Eastern Europe, it's not like they're pouring into, you know, super wealthy Western Europe countries. No. Um, no. So how, how are how are Hungary and Poland as a country being able to process this and handle this? Well, I can I can speak for Poland and tell you that we have been amazed both at what the government is doing and what the people are doing. There are so many people who are just going out of their way to give, to, to help out in any way they can. Uh, we put, like, for example, our church, we have 40 members, and that's an average-sized church in Poland. Uh, we have an average attendance of about 25 people on any given Sunday. Um, we already have four or five of them who've come up to us and say, look, if somebody comes across the border and needs a place to stay, you can send them to us. They're opening their homes. Uh, as I said before, they did a food drive and a clothing drive, and they filled several cars worth of things that they're taking to the border. And you're seeing uh, people come together all over Poland doing that. It's, uh, it's not, a, um, not done by anything in particular. It's just that volunteers are showing up and, and helping out. Um, for example, our local fire departments have gathered together volunteers, and what they do is they go to the train stations, when the Ukrainians come across the border in the train, then they meet them there and they have bottles of water, they have fresh hot soup, they have sandwiches, and they're willing to give them and feed them and help them move along. Uh, the government has asked those who speak Russian or speak Ukrainian to come to the train stations and, and uh, volunteer to help people who don't speak Polish so that they can understand where they are, where they're going, help them direct them in the direction that they're going. And so you'll see several people wandering around with signs on them says, I'm a volunteer, ask me. Um, yeah. And it, the, the government has even gone as far as to uh, say that if you're Ukrainian, you're getting on a train, the train will be without pay. Uh, Ukrainian, the Ukrainian bus companies have sent over buses so that people can get on the buses and then go to different cities where they can get on trains. And uh, it's amazing to watch, but it's also heartbreaking because the number of people who are coming, it's just unimaginable. It, it just can't, yeah. can't, you know, our, our city is 140,000 people, and you're talking already coming across the border in Poland is somewhere between 300,000 or more. So twice the size of our city has already in the last three days come across into Poland. That, how do you begin to count that number? How do you begin to understand what that would be like? How do you begin to even have enough beds for that? Amen. That's true. Well, the other, the other issue that, that we talked about before this call is, um, 
that we don't know how long this is going to be. Like we're in the, mm-hmm. still in the first week of this. Um, we know that uh, several a few years ago when the conflict in Assyria, which is much further away, blew up, that kind of blew up the whole region. And two million refugees from the, that region came into Europe. Um, and this seems to be on a bigger scale in terms of conflict and destruction. I mean, I, I'm not an expert, but in terms of just tanks rolling in. Uh, so by all indications, this is this is not going to be a short thing. And then we also know just in humanitarian relief, it, it's it's a high burnout. So how do we how do we help people like you persevere over? Oh, that's a good question. Prayer, first of all, uh, yeah. the the things that we have been going through. There have been several times where it's like, okay, we don't know what's going to happen next. We need to pray, and then God answers that prayer. That mm-hmm. is a sustaining part because you feel God's presence in what's going on. So when people ask you to pray for Ukraine and pray for these refugees, we hope that you see them not as something distant that is happening, but as people who, who are really people who, whose lives have been so uprooted that they don't know what they're doing. And you pray for them for that way. Pray for us too, because you, know, you sit and you hear one story after the next and then the next and it becomes such a, a deep drain. You don't know, you know, how do you deal with all that pain? And yet, it's not even important because what you're going through is nothing compared to what they're going through, you know? Uh, sure. But, um, yeah, so the, we, we've been good so far as we were able to take a small break. We had three or four days of things happening. We've had 24 hours now where we didn't have anything happening. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. We probably will get started again. But being able to take those short breaks is something else that's helpful. But Yeah. So definitely prayer. Um, Amen. Amen. We talked about coupling that prayer with, uh, as you said, people in Poland are, are wanting to be generous. I think mm-hmm. America and, and the people listening to this podcast want to be generous and we want to we want to give in such a way that honors God and, and goes to real needs. And so mm-hmm. uh, you're going to give us some, some links we'll put on the show notes and on the, on the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. Anything that you, you mentioned you guys are forming this, the, the strategy as we speak, because you couldn't do anything yes. otherwise. Uh, yeah. But uh, anything you want to know besides that the giving is going to be 100% to uh, yeah. helping be that bridge. Um, anything else that the, the, the a giver well, should, should? I can know? tell you. You know, it's been when it first started. You know, we drove off to the we drove off to pick these people up, and we're like, okay, God, we have no idea how we're going to do this. Uh, we started to let a few people know, and they started to let a few people know. And for the first couple of days, whatever the financial need was, it was being met because people outside were praying and giving. And yeah. since that time. It, the word has been getting further and further. We, we see all over social media and, and everyone who we have contact with, their first question is, how can I help? And mm. by giving to an organization like ourselves and like others who are on the front lines, you know that what you're doing is, is being the most help. Uh, and that's, right. that's so important because you really want it to be used in a proper way with people who know where they are, who know the people they're working with, and who are able to do something uh, that other organizations won't be able to do right away because they, they're not here. They don't know this place. Uh, right. So that, that's one advantage I think we have over others in that. Uh, but, 
Yeah, yeah the, you have the, the 20 years on the ground experience of the very mm-hmm. place that people are coming into, yeah. um, which brings up another question. And, and um, again, you've already alluded, hey, my, my struggles are nothing compared to these people. And, and we certainly understand that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you are an hour away from the border of a, a major world conflict right now, war mm-hmm. right now. Tell us how you guys are doing and processing and feeling about all that. Um. When it first broke out, people here did not panic in the sense of, you know, visibly panic, but they started to do things that showed that there was panic. Uh, first couple of days, ATMs were either closed down or you could only get about $50 out of it, no more. Uh, gas, gas stations had such long lines that they ran gas because people were not only filling their car, but filling gas uh, tanks, you know, real gas tanks, and if that didn't work, they were filling plastic bags with gas. You go wow. to the store, and some of the things that are like canned goods and flour and sugar, things that are the basic staples, were almost off all the shelves. And so everyone around us is thinking we either need to be able to stay in place and, and survive, or we need to be able to flee when the time comes. Um, mm-hmm. Over the last few days, that feeling has lessened and life has somewhat come back to normal, but it's never going to be exactly normal because it's very clear that there are dangers that are evolved here. Um, I personally do not feel that, um, that the Russian army will, will cross the Polish border. I think that the NATO alliance will keep them out of this side of things uh, simply because they don't want to bring everybody else into the war. But, uh, we could have problems if there's nuclear devices, we would have fallout where we are. If they use cyber attacks, it could affect our electricity, it could affect our internet, uh, it could cause all kinds of other problems just because we're so close to where they are. Um, yeah. We have not heard any shelling or anything like that, but what we do hear that's been increasing over the last several days are American and Polish jets in the air and American mm-hmm. Polish helicopters in the air who are just going through our airspace, keeping it safe. So um, that in and of itself is a change but uh, for life. But um, you, you know that something could happen. And so now you have to be prepared. Prior to this, you didn't believe anything like that could happen. We never thought that we'd ever be in a place where we'd be worried about ha- or feeling like we had to leave Poland because something bad happened. But now we're always going to be right on that edge until this war is over. So. Yeah, that's uh, such a surreal uh, thing that you would even mention the possibility of nuclear fallout. But that is mm-hmm. certainly in the news these days. Uh, so, well, let's talk about you've mentioned some things and I think the listeners can know. But let's get specific um, prayer for you, for your for the other teams. I know you, you lead the whole region there. So mm-hmm. prayer for any, any other teams, prayer for the organizations, prayer for the people. Just help, help us to know, uh, closing out this podcast, what we can specifically pray for. Well, pray for our teams here in Poland and those in Hungary who are working directly with the Ukrainian people who are coming across as refugees. Uh, pray for our, our, we have a family who was serving in Ukraine, who has now been displaced themselves here in Poland and have no idea how long they're going to be here. 
So pray for them as they try to continue to serve God where they are and uh, try to figure out how do they live their life, just like any of these other refugees are. Um, pray for our local churches that this will draw them together, that this will uh, people will overlook old hurts and old conflicts so that they could work together on something as important as this. And, uh, and then that they, through that, they will bring the gospel to more people who are around them, both Ukrainian and Polish. And in fact, anyone else who comes across the border, may the gospel be given to them as they come across. Um, primarily to pray for these families, because how do you even begin to know what's going to happen next in your life? Uh, you're, you've now moved to a completely different country where you have no contacts or maybe one contact and half your family's back there and you don't know what's going to happen to them. So pray for strength, pray for healing, pray for those who are believers to be able to hold on to their faith through this um, and that they would be able to stay close to God no matter what happens and trust in him and his sovereignty. So I think those would be the prayers yeah. I would say. Amen. Well, uh, we might be checking in with you again in a few days or a few weeks just to get an update on sure. how things are going, how to continue to pray, how to continue to give, maybe hear about how uh, the bridge is developing uh, in terms of your humanitarian aid and gospel work there. But I want to thank you for taking the time this evening uh, to just help bring us in the loop and let us be praying and partnering with you in that way. Well, thank you for the opportunity to do this, and I hope those who listen that what they hear is the stories of the lives that are here, and it will draw them to pray for them. That's what most important. Amen. Amen. Well, if you're listening, we on on our podcast notes or on our website, Pioneers in Europe, under this podcast, we will have those links. If you're whether you're trying to give uh, from Europe or the U.S. or Australia, I think those are the links mm -hmm. we have established now, and. Um, We'll update those even if we get more than that. But, uh, yes. yes, please pray for Craig, the rest of the team, uh, of course, all those families coming over right now. And uh, yeah. if, if God so leads you, partner with them. For where your treasure is, there your heart yeah. is also. So. Yeah, let me tell you, we're really grateful for our team because helping these people in is not just something that my wife and I have been doing. It's It's been a team effort, and it has been probably the best bonding thing that we could ever do because we're working together so much in this. It's just been wonderful to have these people around us. So I'm grateful wow. to God for our teammates. I'm grateful to God for our local church and for what they're doing and just how his body has come together in this yeah. um, in, in helping to make this possible. Well, amen. Well, that's encouraging. We, we, wanna, we want you to be encouraged. So hopefully you'll feel those prayers as people begin to listen to this. Amen. Thank you, Craig. Have a good night. You get some get some rest. I know you got a big day okay. tomorrow as well. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, I want to thank you, listener, for joining us. I want to thank you in advance for your prayers, for your partnership as you come alongside the people in Ukraine, and our teams in Poland, and Hungary, and beyond. Be sure to check out pioneersineurope.com to learn more, and also to find out how you might be able to partner with us as we seek to mobilize teams to glorify God by planting churches across Europe.